What a beautiful day to be alive. Welcome to the You Can Do It Too podcast. Yes, you can do it too. My primary mission in this podcast is to empower minority youths and young professionals around the globe to imagine beyond any limits and strive to be their best self. Who am I? I am many things. I am a son, a brother, a husband, a friend. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical student at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School, Hooken. Well, if you ask me to be specific, I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I would love to see you reach your full potential. Yes, you. You have what it takes. I'm rooting for you. Good morning, everyone. What an what amazing morning. It's 6 a.m. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining me here. Thanks for having I know me. it's very early, but it's an amazing day uh, as every other day. And uh, it's been a hectic week uh, with different things going on. We had our first exam that just happened recently. And uh, it's a big milestone for uh, us little ones who just started medical school. But in terms of general things, uh, again, everyone, the nonprofit organization is still going. Uh, Unity Hills, we are fundraising for uh, that hospital, renovating that hospital. And uh, our goal is still to $20,000. And we've been uh, getting a lot of donations uh, from people who have been very supportive. So if you can donate or at least share our fundraiser, that would be amazing to help us out. And uh, today I have a great guest uh, with me today. He's actually one of my mentors here uh, at uh, Dell Medical School. So he's been here, he, he's already an expert uh, <laughs> in medical school. So I just, I'm, I'm definitely very excited to learn a bit about your story and get to know, just get more, uh, how to call it, uh, lessons uh, from you before we stop seeing you. <laughs> All right, so let's just start with, uh, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty I know good. we are still in the mix of COVID-19. I mean, people don't care about it anymore. And we have this new thing called monkey post coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with all of that and, and uh, your, how busy you are, how, how easy it's going? It's going, it's going pretty well. It's, it's much of the norm. Mm-hmm. That's just what we're used to. It started that school with COVID and mm-hmm. being online and it's nothing new. So it, it's good to be able to get out. And, Yes, sir. Feel free to speak louder. Okay. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I always like to start with in this podcast, especially being 6 a.m., with uh, just the amazing feeling of getting up this early and also starting the grind early. Like, what is one thing that you are grateful for? I know sometimes with all the busyness that we, we have in this world and with everything that we're trying to chase in terms of dreams and goals mm-hmm. it is sometimes it's hard to just relax and and think about that but what is that one thing that you are grateful for i'm, I'm very grateful for uh my, my family support I, I i always think oh i'm glad i'm smart or able to be in medical school but it's i would not be in the position that i'm in without the family support and how my parents have you know, kind of set up an environment for me to be successful, and to, to help push me to succeed. And so um, they've really been a big pivotal point of keeping peace in my personal life so I can go do whatever I need to do. That's amazing. That's definitely important, especially in medical school where things <laughs> are not easy. That's definitely important. That's big. 
talking about family, let's go back to your childhood. Like, where did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, so my parents were in the military, so I was born in Germany. Okay. And then I moved to the States when I was two. And then we lived in Arizona for a little bit, and I moved to San Antonio when I was in first grade. So I claim San Antonio is my home. Okay. Yeah. Wow, Germany. That sounds like a story that I've heard before. Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Yes. He yes. was born in Germany too, right? Or, or he or lived. Huh? Italy, I think. Italy, Italy. Italy. Okay, okay, okay. You're right, you're right. It's a little bit different story. And talking about Kobe Bryant, it was his birthday, I think yesterday, yes, right? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So you came to San Antonio, I mean, from Germany. I mean, you didn't know anything about that. Do you know, did, did your parents ever talk to you about their experience uh, as military, just having to move from like one place like Germany all over here? Because I know Germany is very classy. Yeah, they, um, they just talked about how, how they loved it. They, when they were growing up, they both wanted to go to the military just so they could travel and oh. see the world. And they went to you know, all kinds of countries. Uh, the problem is they went before I was born. Uh, <laughs> so they did all their traveling before yeah. they had me, so. And I, wow, that passion, I guess, brought them together, the, mm -hmm. the idea of wanting to, to go out and adventure and all of yeah. that. That's a big coincidence, that's amazing. <laughs> That's good. So you came to San Antonio, and San Antonio is, I think, actually one of the most ni nicest cities in Texas. I mean, they are very nice people. That's where you grew up, like, from it's one different. to... Mm -hmm. How was that? What was childhood like? Uh, what was your childhood like in, in San Antonio? Childhood was very suburban, normal, okay. living in a big neighborhood. All the, You know all the kids in the neighborhood, because everybody will play street football or... Uh, go play basketball at the park and so it was very you have a community group of, of people to hang out with all the time nice nice so you play a lot of sports in, in high school and middle school and all of that yeah just trying and to stay active and playing out playing outside i wasn't a big video gamer so oh same i remember i think that's one of the biggest thing that i enjoyed from my childhood when i was growing up i mean in guinea I, there was no stable electricity so there were days that you don't have electricity and there's no tv so if you wanted to have fun you have to go out and i really enjoyed going out i was always in groups with with uh, friends and stuff that i used to play soccer with and stuff mm -hmm. like that i think that's the best way to <laughs> i mean i'm biased but i think that's the best way to have a, a childhood mm -hmm. that's amazing so your family being in the military i'm sure one of the biggest things that they they really uh, take big consideration of is uh, discipline right mm -hmm. and uh, in terms of you having uh, as their kid uh, they want you to be successful like how did they instill that idea of discipline in you to, to make sure that you stay focused of course you had to have fun and stuff but how did they push you to just have that strong foundation from the beginning so you are set for success it was a lot of uh leading by example so they would show me that they would talk about things that they're interested in, in, in achieving in their career and then would work and work and work at home um, and then when I started wanting things they would say you have to work for it and this is what it takes if you really want to do something and it was a lot of uh, kind of putting your hand to the fire and seeing well, how, how bad do you actually want it on certain things but they they would only push me as hard as I wanted them to push me so that I would have to ask them mm. hey I'm, I want to go get up some extra shots can you take me to the gym or I want to go run some extra sprints after practice can we stay a little bit later mm. um, and try to I had to convince them how bad I wanted things and so wow. 
it, you had to start from the basics of, okay, you have to think about what do I actually want this or can I just go watch TV after school and, exactly. and relax? That's a big key, right? Because, I mean, everybody have dreams, right? Everybody have dreams and everybody try to get into motion. But there's a big difference between motion and action, right? Motion is about all the, oh, I have this idea, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to go be the best player. But you can't plan it all as long as you don't start taking action. It really doesn't matter. And one, one of the big things that I also believe in is the fact that no matter how big your goal is, no matter how, how big your dream is, like, no, no matter how, many ta- how much talent you have, you cannot get to the place you want to be. No one can believe it for you as much as you can believe it. Exactly. Your parents will always love you. They will always want the best for you. Mm-hmm. But they cannot believe in your dreams more than you. Exactly. So that's it. One thing that you talked about is definitely a difficult thing that many people don't have. The idea of just having that ambition to go get something and then telling, going out to find the support that you need to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Like, being a kid, that's not easy to have. Like, you have to overcome so many things and you have to sacrifice a lot. How did that come to you? Like, was it, was it easy? Was no. it just how you were? Or no, like? there was a lot of growing pains because you want, I, I guess I could speak on playing basketball. I wanted to play basketball and be good at basketball. Just how every kid probably in America probably wants to be good at <laughs> basketball. And my dad was always like, you, you would always tell me, you need to come to me and show me how bad you want it. I can't want it more than you do. Or, um, so he spoke the idea to you. He started, yeah. he, from the beginning, he was telling you about the idea. Like, it's not just about you wanting it. You have to show it to me. Because mm-hmm. right? they were very intentional when I was growing up that they didn't want to imprint any of their dreams onto me. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to create what I wanted for myself. And it's hard because it's, it's easier if someone tells you, hey, you need to go practice and do this, and they'll make you do it. But then to want it on your own and to have a dream, call it a dream, because then it's vulnerable, mm-hmm. and, and try to achieve that on your own. Wow, that's big. That's big. I know in many cultures, definitely, people, there's this idea of people having kids with the, with the idea of, okay, they're going to be something sure. that I'm not, right? Yeah. It's like I'm having you for me, in a way. Exactly. But... Uh, when you have them, you, can, you, have to, you have to let them be free, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes your idea of perfection is, is just really your idea of perfection, right? I remember, I know parents who say, oh, I want you to be perfect, but that perfection is just the definition of perfection for them. It's not really, they, they kind of put, put it in a box, right? But if you let the, let the kid be free, they really can create a whole new box of perfection that you could not even imagine so that's a big thing i feel like having that those kind of parents giving a solid foundation mm-hmm. allow you to imagine be a limit and really go get everything that you want mm-hmm. that's amazing so you started uh in under in, in high school right with, with that kind of atmosphere but and playing sports that was one thing but you also it seems like you also as push that toward your academics, right? Was, uh, in terms of being good in academics, was that something that was an expectation for you growing up, or it was something that you just just went for? Was it just on you, or did they really push you to be? So, (laughs) at first, Mm -hmm. and I guess, when you start getting grades, like middle school, Mm -hmm. 
it was, or at the elementary, it was like every good grade you get back or every A you bring back, mm -hmm. there's like an incentive. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I put you know, like a, a video, like a, like a Pokemon game mm -hmm. or money. Money was like in a big incentive for me as a kid. So it was like, okay, I know if I bring back this many A's, then I'll get this many dollars and I can save it and have it in my big bank. And then my parents started talking to me about, you know, well, what do you want to do long-term? I'm like, I have no idea. But I knew that, but they told me, they said, whatever you want to do, good grades will always help. Mm -hmm. So then I just started going to try to get the best grades I could so I could open as many doors as possible. That's good. That's good. Definitely options is important. So moving from that, uh, coming to college, right? You decided to go to college. And how, how was that decision? Because you decided to come to UT, the PWI school, and it's one of the biggest schools in uh, Texas mm -hmm. in terms of size, 50,000 people. And uh, in terms of African-Americans uh, or black people, it's about 5% uh, last time I checked. How did you make that decision? So when so in, in high school, I found out that if you're a Texas resident mm -hmm. and you're in the top 7% of your graduating class, yeah. then you get automatic admission to the public schools in Texas. Yeah. That was one. And then two, I also I had I applied to Morehouse and Howard and I got into Howard. And then I had the Texas schools as well. So I toured around the Texas schools. My mom wanted me to go to A&M, but I liked UT better. And so I was thinking it was between UT and Howard, and I realized that like, college would just be completely away from my parents. I'm an only child, mm -hmm. so I only know hanging out with them. Oh, and wow. Howard's in Washington, D.C., yeah. and that's a long way from San Antonio. Yeah. And my parents were like, you oh, know, we'll, we'll visit you all the time. And I was like, I, I don't know. So I, I just decided to say close to home. Austin's wow. like an hour and 20 minutes from my parents' house. So. Wow. This is interesting. I actually never asked this question before on this podcast. But being the only only kid, right? And uh, of course, you have the supportive parents mm -hmm. who, who want you to to be the best self that you can be. Mm -hmm. But internally, did you feel? It, I mean, even now, I guess now you are more. Uh, you have the emotional intelligence, and you understand how things are. Do you feel some type of pressure in terms of uh, being? like the best or, or just kind of pushing forward the legacy of, of your family is that no, no no it's all it's all internal it's all internal like i whatever pressure anyone could ever put on me it can never be mm. as much as how much i put on myself okay it's just all i just feel like but the pressure that you put on yourself mm -hmm. is does that come something with the idea of wanting to be the best or is that just something for for you I think it's it's wanting to be the best at my job just for personal satisfaction, mm -hmm. but it's also I'm thinking about how well my parents raised me and did for me and mm -hmm. you know grinded through their own careers that I just want to do as good or if not the better just so I can create that theme so that when I have children I can show them look this is what your grandparents did this is what I did and wow. you can do that too. That's big, uh, leading to action. It's definitely the example because you have a. Unfortunately, in many countries, I mean, parents, they have done things and they have failed at things. And when they have their kids, the idea is how can I get my kids to do something that I never did before so I can feel proud, right? And uh, 
but the way you're talking about it your parents came and they did their own thing and they have you and you want to go do your own thing right mm -hmm. and with that mentality i feel like it's amazing because the kids that comes after always gonna have the idea of like i need to grow exponentially right mm -hmm. my parents did this uh, my grandparents did this so i don't have any excuses i need to do something because i don't want to be the one messing up at the club yeah. right that's amazing it's creating creating an inertia within the family mm. wow that's a big one creating an inertia within the family that's a big one so you came to ut mm -hmm. right Fifty thousand people again like at that point did you know what you wanted to do or were you still uh, trying to touch around and see i i knew medicine so I knew I would have to get. Where did that come from? It, it was very interesting. So in middle school, eighth grade coming in high school, I was like, I'm, I want to be an accountant mm -hmm. because I, I don't know why. I have no idea why I want to be an accountant, but math is cool and it seems like a cool job. And then I was just playing sports and having little knick-knack injuries and then having injuries, you go to the ER to see what's up. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking around and ER just because you're waiting all the time and well there's that's a doctor and there's nurses and oh people do this for a real job it's mm -hmm. not like a Grey's Anatomy TV job this is a real thing and then I started looking into it, into it more mm -hmm. and being able to use the science use your brain but also work in a team every single day account to um, leaning on your team members and, mm -hmm. and then helping people was kind of the culmination of, of what it you all. wanted so I thought it was like that seems cool and I love I love school so <laughs> <laughs> man how did you I mean you love school from your experience in, in uh, high school or like when did that come from it was just it, it's it's you were good at it yeah it was it, it's a it's always a combination of you yeah. like something because you're good at it but it's it's work and they tell you what you need to learn and you learn it <laughs> it seemed pretty straightforward yes sir. yes sir and when you came to college do you feel any uh, imposter syndrome or intimidation being that, I mean, in high school, when you are good, you, you definitely can separate yourself from the kid. But when you come to college where they only take the best out of the best, right? And uh, you start realizing that it's not about being the smartest anymore. It's about who's willing to work hard or who's willing to persevere. Because I've seen a lot of friends who never felt a day in their life who came to college and they felt one time mm -hmm. and it was over. They were broken, right? Mm -hmm. But you see other people, yes, they were struggling here and there, but they just keep pushing, they keep pushing, and they eventually learn that it's about hard work and persevering. Mm -hmm. Like, when you came in, what was that uh, first year for you? Do you feel any imposter syndrome? Any challenges? Um. I, I was, it was not imposter syndrome because I felt that I was smart enough or capable mm. enough to be in the classroom. Mm. It was like shell shock because mm. there were FOMO, fear of missing out. There were so many things going on mm. and I had to remind myself more that I need to lock in. Uh. For example, in med school, it's just, you study. Mm -hmm. Everybody is... No, older and then they're used to stuff. Yeah, in college so. there's social stuff going on, yeah. friend stuff going on, all kinds of activities. Everybody has a free pizza meet and greet <laughs> something. It's, it's like, you got to be there. Yeah. So it was, it was, I had to remind myself to lock in more. That's amazing. And those are two different points that I want to touch on. So 
the idea of not uh, not having imposter syndrome because you feel like you are smart enough right that's amazing because not everybody gets that right i mean especially of minority students when we come in these spaces right there are some people for me i felt very comfortable i mean i, I came in chemical engineering and i was the only uh black person in my class but i felt comfortable people ask me later like did you feel any imposter syndrome i'm like no but i think it could be the way that i was proud of right mm -hmm. i was proud of as just having confidence you go to school and there's no excuses you become the best right you get the same grade even though i was in guinea right and when i came here i didn't really care who does it look like me and it was the same idea mm -hmm. but many people struggle with that when they come in these spaces where oh man like I, i've been told that the people that look like me are minority and not as good all my life and now it's time to test it like can i really surpass these people and, and be the best right mm -hmm. like how for you you said the same thing where you you did not feel any imposter syndrome because you knew that you were smart enough where did that come from do you feel like it's the way you were brought up or like how did you get that confidence i i, I think just seeing success mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and seeing that when i don't work hard for something and then i don't get it that feeling mm. and then when i work hard for something and i get it mm. that feeling and i like that feeling a lot better <laughs> and and seeing that who i mean there's no surprises or there's no like flukes or anything like you did good in high school mm -hmm. you can do good in college like there's nothing there's no secrets that someone else has it's like you may have to study harder mm -hmm. to get the result, but just study harder. Yeah, that makes sense. And you talked about fear of missing out, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, as kids, when you come in, you just want to be part of all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in college, I mean, it's the, it's the best time to do it. And some people go into that and really don't know how to control it later when they need to, right? Uh, how did you get that discipline like for someone who's coming in later uh, in college who's gonna have to go through this do you have any suggestions on how they can acquire that discipline they need to just come down and focus when they need to because i like the idea of work hard and play hard right mm -hmm. well you can't play hard all the time yeah I, th I think it's it's extremely important to find people mm -hmm. who have similar post-college aspirations as you because if you're in STEM and you're the science or engineering majors and you're trying to get to a job or you're trying to get to medical school, mm -hmm. then you're gonna be focused on, you may be, you, you will have different focuses than if someone's, let's say in business and their, their focus is, okay, well I need to meet as many people as I can and recruit as hard as I can so I can get that job. But if the aspirations don't line up and you're comparing yourself to someone who's going to be doing something different than you mm -hmm. then that's where it, the mismatch leads up mm -hmm. because if you want to work hard and play hard well you know okay all the science kids had their test and they're going to go play hard but if you have a test in a few weeks but the business people finish their cycle of tests and they're going to have to go have fun do you want to go have fun this weekend no. or do you want to wait till your test is over yeah and so that's the where it can line up is trying to compare yourself to other people. Well, oh, so-and-so is having more fun than me, but they may have different aspirations than you. Yeah. And if you want to do what they're doing, then go
go follow them, but you gotta lock in with people that well, want the same thing that you do. I definitely had that. Uh, I mean, even if it's not your friends, you feel it. I used to be that kid uh, on Saturday at night, I'm leaving uh, the, the chemical engineering building mm -hmm. or the library around 12 a.m. Mm -hmm. or even maybe Thursday night, right? Mm -hmm. And just walking, walking up to our West Campus and seeing all the people, all the, all the people at the bars and just drinking and having fun. And I used to be beast. Yeah. <laughs> How the heck you guys are having fun on Thursday night? I have to do all of this. But exactly as you said, find your crew. Everybody is not having, in college especially, everybody does not have the same journey. Everybody won't have the same race. You guys are not racing the same race. You have to find your race and focus on that. And you cannot compare with other people who don't have the same race and say you have to do as them. Mm -hmm. right? That's how you get broken. You have to, in college is the best place you need to start finding what is your race and focus on your race. That's amazing. But you still was able to uh, integrate out, right? And, and yeah. just find things to do in college. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I did not know you well in college, mm -hmm. but when I met you, I realized that, oh, I've, I was I used to see you. Yes, we didn't talk, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, come together like in different spaces. I think you were a little bit older than me, right? And you are a little bit ahead of me. That was 2019. 2019, exactly. Uh, so we, we, but I also noticed that you, I mean, you, you were in a lot of organization, for example, the cheer organization in, in football, like, how did you even get those skills? Was that, did you do oh. gym, gymnastic or? No, no, no. So that was, that was cool. So freshman year, so I only played basketball and ran track all the way through high school. Oh, wow. And then freshman year of college, my neighbor mm -hmm. at the dorm was a cheerleader mm -hmm. and she said oh you should try try out mm -hmm. for cheer I said no I had never done that before and then the first game uh, of the season me my roommate played basketball with me as well in high mm -hmm. school and one of the guys that we saw when we were freshmen he was a senior we saw him on the field in a cheer uniform mm -hmm. and I was like oh man that's crazy and then I was texting with him talking with him about his experience and then coming around about a year and a half later same friend, they're like, oh, we're gonna go to the cheer gym and we're just gonna go mess around and do some flips and stuff. He's like, just come, we'll teach you how to do a backflip. Mm -hmm. So I was like, sure. Wow. And I learned in like 20 minutes. Anyone, yeah, you can, anyone that's like reasonably athletic can learn like 20 wow. minutes. It's just a, a fear thing. I know. So I was doing it into the pit a few times and then I, they said, just do it on the ground. And I did it. The rest is Let's history. That's amazing. That's the that's the story of open mindedness because just thinking about it, our culture, right, of athletes and also even like black people, right? When we come in, in college we play these sports, right? Mm -hmm. And cheer doing cheer is something that we put down on, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in high school you say, Oh, like I'm not a cheerleader, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an athlete, right? Because it's in blackmail uh, how to call it, pictures or like uh, that that's how we just see ourselves like and I'm sure when, when, they, when they came to you that the first time in college, you were in the same mindset, but you also were open-minded. You wanted to try it out. Mm -hmm. Like, where did that come from, you feel like? Is that something that you always had? Or not everybody have that, right? Sometimes we just get so close-minded and we miss out of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, it was, so that was at the end of sophomore year, so mm -hmm. I started getting into the kind of tunnel vision of, mm -hmm. okay, it's, it's time to, 
get into medical school type of deal. Um, but my dad always told me growing up, never be afraid to reinvent yourself. Mm. And I was like, shut up, dad. Mm. And, then, and then it kind of hit, it kind of hit for me. And that, that was like the starting cheer, was the, set me on the trajectory to where I am today. Wow. I truly believe that. Do not be afraid of reinvesting yourself. That's amazing. Wow. And it's something that many of us have to live through, but we don't recognize what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are forced to reinvent ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because of challenges or just moments that tell us to really stop and figure something out. Like you have to reinvent yourself. That's amazing. That's a great advice. And you, it's crazy how you came in, you tried it, but it just, you realize that you didn't need to work too hard, as hard as you expected to be good at it, right? And actually, I used to go to football games, and uh, you were one of the people that I noticed, right? Not just because you were black, but you also were good. Like, those flips, when I say, I'm like, this guy either did gymnasium or he did this all his life. I would never think that you learned that in 20 minutes. There's a lot of practicing, a lot of falling. Yeah. A lot of falling. That's amazing. Sometimes you have to fall to get where you're supposed to be, right? That's amazing. So fast forward. So medical school was always a thing that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Were there any time in undergrad where you felt like, oh man, this is not for me. I don't think I can do this. A million percent. So it wasn't, it wasn't I don't think I can do this. It was this class is going to keep me from medical school. It was uh, microbiology. Mm-hmm. Looking back after doing microbiology in medical school, it wasn't that hard. The problem was it required a lot of time mm-hmm. and it came at a time in my med school, or sorry, in my college career where I didn't have a lot of time mm-hmm. and it, was, it wasn't super intuitive mm-hmm. and I didn't want, I, I just felt like I didn't want to put in the work for it and it showed. And then that, that was probably like the, the biggest like shake, wake up moment. Like, hey, do you want this or not? Because this is, seems like it could be a tipping point. And I've met so many people, so many friends who I came into undergrad with. Every time we talk, oh yeah, freshman year, sophomore year, mm-hmm. we're gonna become physicians. I'm, I'm pre-med, I'm pre-med, I'm pre-med. Junior year, no, I figure out this is not what I wanna do. I say why they really tell you different things but if you dig deep you find it's because of a class mm-hmm. that challenged them and for many people that's the turning point that tells them okay this is not for me I may not be good enough like if I cannot do this I'm not be good enough but many people do not realize that doctors are not people who excelled all the time mm-hmm. usually the best doctors are people who had to be resilient all the time how did you come with the mindset with everything that was going on because I'm sure during that time, uh, microbiology is about your junior year, right? Mm-hmm. During that time, I mean, you already adapted to college. I mean, I'm sure you had your community. Uh, the things, you already established in the things, the activities that you were doing. You were in cheer. You were like, you were a big deal. You weren't just like somebody was adapting, right? You were still, you were already adapted and UT was your home already, right? It could have been so easy to say, I feel good with what I have and I don't need that right now, right? I don't need to worry about that. But you decided to switch and say, okay, this is what I want to do, right? How did that mentality come like? Did you even have to change crews? No, it was, 
I had to refocus back in to why I came to college mm-hmm. in general. I came in wanting to be a doctor. I had to remember all the whys about why I wanted to be a doctor. And you, you come into college and you're a freshman, you don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can think about. Oh yeah, I'm ready to medicine, medicine, medicine. And then you start meeting people and you start doing things, you start having fun. Your life seems like it's fitting together. And then you forget your true why. And that was, I just had to remember that. And that was, that was the main thing. Maybe I should write this down, put this somewhere like, <laughs> where I see it every morning. Yeah, and many people don't realize how big that is. Just being able to be reminded by something that's in the world. For me, I remember specifically, I mean, I came in in chemical engineering. I always would, wanted to be a doctor, right? But there was this thing of like chemical engineering or doctor. Like which I was doing internships. I was shadowing. I was volunteering. I was trying here and here. But... And many people were telling me, just go to, especially my family. I came from a family who really do not, from Guinea, do not really have a lot, right? And uh, I'm blessed enough to be looked at one of the person who could potentially provide for that family, right? And the idea of doing 10 years of school doesn't really seem exciting to anyone, right? And chemical engineering was like a very good second, I guess, second plan. And uh, so many of my family were telling me, okay, you just go engineering, engineering. So, but I had to sit down and really realize what is my why? What is, what, what is my ultimate goal in life? Like, how do I want to be looked at in the future in terms of things that I want to do? And I, I realized that I did, pro, I promise you, I did pro and con list, like a list and just analyze it like an engineer and realize that to be the person that I want to be, it is integral for me to do medicine. Yes, engineering, I can have that, but I have to go to medicine to get to the place I want to be, and that's how I chose it. So it's definitely important to have that uh, visual thing and just think about it a little bit. I agree, I totally agree. So, I mean, did you take any breaks uh, between college and... uh, I I worked for one year. Worked for one year? Yeah. Okay, so... When did you take the MCAT? I took the MCAT March of my senior year. Mm-hmm. So March, graduate in May mm-hmm. of senior year. So you knew that you were going to come yeah. back. You, you want to take that out of the way. Yeah, so I, I knew. So I, what I did was I started applying for jobs in January mm-hmm. of my senior year. Got a job. Took it in March. Graduated in May. Went to work in June. Oh, what did you work? At DaVita Dialysis. Okay. So I was a, yeah. a patient care tech, and I was cannulating the fistulas and taking care of people. Did that did that push you more toward medical school, or? Yes, so it did push me more. I, I wanted to do specifically dialysis because my grandfather was on dialysis, mm-hmm. and so that was like a close the loop circle connection for me. And then it pushed me towards more towards medical school because mm-hmm. I was in the medical field, I was working, but. I, I knew that there was, I knew that there was more that I wanted. Mm-hmm. There was more that I was still thinking about, more that I was still interested in learning, and so it, it was definitely a good push back to, that makes sense. to medicine. Was it at the same time that you had your accident? Yes, yes. So oh. also I, I had, it was it was crazy because I had done started working, finished my training, mm-hmm. was on my own because you have to work with a preceptor for 
a few months and then I was on my own officially for like a few weeks and then I had an accident. Damn, and you have to go home. Yeah, I, I have to stay home. That's crazy. So, one of the biggest thing, I mean, I had so many uh, close ones who, first of all, thankfully you are safe and everything. But I have a big fear of car accident because I had so many close ones who I lost because of because of car accidents, right? So it is one of the death if you think about definition of right. I mean, if you do science and you learn about it, you you realize that eventually we all die because of systems not function well, right? Or systems stopping functioning eventually right the idea of cancer is not just this person is more prone to cancer versus this person it's just that eventually we all gonna have enough DNA that's messed up and if if nothing happened eventually that's how everyone gonna die but car accidents and different accidents those are things that just stop it, it just happened like it just happened that you cannot control of you can be as amazing as you it, it just happened so that's crazy and I remember you told me about this where in that moment you had the car accident and you talk about that moment by the way talk, talk about the moment where you you had the car accident and you had all these broken things where mm -hmm. like what was that thing do you remember or you, you I, I all i remember i remember closing the garage and then i remember waking up in the hospital the next day and closing the garage of what my house leaving? yeah leaving the house oh, in the wow. morning waking up the next day I had an X fix on my leg an external fixator and then they took me back for surgery wow. two days after that and that was the hips yeah that was my my femur wow waking up that day I imagine that day that you wake up with all of that like what, what was even your doubt <laughs> it was just fear well, first I was thinking this hurts really bad please stop touching me and then asking them what's going on yeah. and then calling my mom and oh your mom's not there yet well no so it was the next day mm -hmm. so after my accident my parents were there yeah and then they went home and went, went to work because yeah. i was knocked out in the hospital yeah. and i called them and they came back and that was just fear like what's going on what's next mm -hmm. like, was it out of like walking what did that cross your mind or you were like no, it for sure. I, that's what I was. I need to know: Is am I gonna be normal, back to normal, and be able to do things? How long wow. is it gonna take? That's scary. That is scary. How long did it take you to be solid? At about ninety-five percent. About fourteen months, fifteen months. Wow. Time since the accident. And you couldn't work. Was it the time where you had to apply for medicine and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. So this, so I had done three interviews before the accident, had the accident, and then I did one interview, my Dell interview after the accident. Wow, the hardest one, yeah. the hardest interview. How was that? It was. It was. It was cool because I knew that I wanted to do it. Like I, because. I was in the hospital and I left the hospital. I was at home for a little bit and then I got the email mm -hmm. about like do the secondary interview. Mm -hmm. So then I had to make the decision obviously do I want to do, do the effort of doing this. Yeah. And so I did the secondary interview and then got the 
the full interview, then my mom had to drive me down and got the wheelchair and the walker and all that stuff and made it happen. But I, I didn't want to let, I didn't want to let that adversity mm-hmm. take an opportunity from, mm-hmm. from myself. Like I wanted to not get in because I, it wasn't my day in the sun, but not because of something that somebody else. No excuses. Yeah. No excuses. And during that time, you say you already had three interviews. Did you get any response? Uh, yeah. So I, I had, I had pre-matched into A and M. So that's why I was really like, well, I'm wow. in med school. Like I. <laughs> wow. So, so you, you interviewed three, two, three schools before the accident. Mm-hmm. You pre-matched mm-hmm. in one of this. I mean, maybe one or A and M. And then UT came knock at the door. Mm-hmm. Where you were, you already had your accident. Big pain, can't walk, anything like that. But you wanted UT. You wanted you wanted UT, and you felt like you you have to give your best shot with everything else going on. Yeah. There are so many people in this world. I mean, not that I. I mean, just imagine the amount of people that lives dreams that are never realized because they got something that they can settle with. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad. I mean, many people decide that. I do not have to go through the struggle of acquiring plan A as long as plan B is enough for me. I can be happy with plan B, mm-hmm. right? Because they're just afraid of pushing through that wall to get to plan A, right? And our society forces us to always have a plan B or plan C to keep us safe. But the few people who decide, okay, no one can believe in my dream as much as me, say, Fuck plan B, fuck plan C. I'm just gonna focus on plan A, yeah. right? It's plan A or nothing. Mm-hmm. And they go at it and they eventually get it, right? Because the more you keep knocking at the door, the more likely it's gonna open. And you decided to keep knocking at the door. Like, where did that motivation come from? Because medical school is one of the things that it's one of the idea that you it's not guaranteed, right? Many people apply to 20 schools but only get one acceptances. You already had one acceptance, but you said, okay, I'm going to just give my best, especially where in times where you were really having challenges. Like, did you even think about that process, or did it's just I you, just, it just happened? My, my whole thought was, at, at this point, like, this is the, I want this so bad, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to, I'm going to do everything it takes mm-hmm. to get where I want to go. And then rest on the back end. I was like, I, I just need to. I needed to do it. Wow. And it was, it was also a. It was because since I, it did help that I had already got into another medical school because I felt like okay, this accident was tough. It was bad, but let me just. Like you're still a person. Like you're not just an injury. Like you're still a person. There's still things you mm-hmm. you want. So just go out and, and show who you are. Mm-hmm. Accident or not. Like you're still, I'm sure with that type of accident also uh, there was doubt started creeping in, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of like, am I gonna be uh, the person that I was before? I mm-hmm. think of athletic the idea of, am I really gonna be good? Like doubt started coming at you, mm-hmm. and th- sometimes doubt in a way makes you wanna test yourself. Like, let me try this. Mm-hmm. Should I? Should let me try this and see if I'll succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you are engulfed with doubt and fear, 
the only way, the best way you can get out of it is through facing it and having small wins. Small wins make you keep going, right? But if you just stay in the shadow, it's just, it's gonna kinda kills you in a way, right? So I'm sure you pushing through that gave you some type of confidence, like I got this. The small right? wins, it did help because it was, can I ride in the car for an hour and a half and get there? Yeah. Can I walk from the car to the, the front door? Wow. Can I walk down the steps? Like these are all wins and wins and wins. Yeah. Of course, uh, these accidents and uh, unfortunate challenges is not something that anyone wish to have, anyone prays for. Mm -hmm. But from my experience, challenges always pushes us to be our best. I remember uh, I, I, when I taught my ACL in undergrad junior year in college, and at the same time, uh, transparently, I my parent I, I had one of my parents who were facing mental illness issues, so it was pretty bad uh, with a lot of emotions, and I could not even tell my parents that I had an injury. So I had a friend who drove me to the hospital, got surgery, and brought me back uh, home. And uh, in three days, I had to go back to school. But I feel like that challenge, right? It just pushed me to say. I'ma keep trying, right? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'll go to school at 6 a.m. if I have to, so I don't miss any class, right? Get the bus and come back at 10 a.m. after everything is over, 10 p.m. after everything is over. But that semester was my best semester in college. It was the only semester I really got a 4.0 GPA, and because I was just so focused and telling myself, I need to prove to me that this injury is not me, mm -hmm. right? And I feel like it's the same thing for you. Like I need to, I need to keep pushing. I need yeah. to show like I'm, I'm that good, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Dev saw that in that interview. They were like, this kid is, is gonna persevere, right? And that's what they're looking for. How has, how has it been? Uh, and, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy because each year is so different mm -hmm. that it feels like. Like you finish one and you feel like a new person and you finish another one you feel like a new person and i think like, i'm happy yeah. i'm happy that's amazing i'm happy and i know orthopedic surgery is one of your interests mm -hmm. and uh, you came into med you came into college knowing that you wanted to go to medical school and become a doctor mm -hmm. but i'm sure that injury gave you a big a stronger desire to even be a physician yeah that was the, the push towards orthopedic trauma and you know, seeing people on their worst day and helping them through that, getting them to the, the next phase. But I came into med school, I was like, I want to give people kidneys. Like I wanted to be a transplant surgeon mm -hmm. as my grandpa. And then the, the injury kind of yeah. turned the path, but it was, you know, thankful yeah. for sure to give me a little bit of clarity on what's important and kind of how, because everybody in medical school is going to help someone mm -hmm. and they're going to have their nook in medicine, but I just trying to help, but I found that, that I wanted to, mm -hmm. to intervene in with patient care. Definitely. And Delhi is one of the newest schools uh, who with, a, with an amazing vision to really find how people receive care. Mm -hmm. uh, what is one of the things that you feel like makes, uh, I mean, you, you had some opportunities before, but you decided to go with Delhi. What is one of the reasons that makes you appreciate the fact that you chose Delhi? Well, one, Austin. Yeah. Can't get away from Austin. Uh, and then two, it, 
I liked that it was new. I liked um, it was innovating things. I liked that it was accelerated mm -hmm. because I had heard from my other friends from high school when I grad that were in med school already that, oh, it's, the didactic year is so long and then you have to go into the next year and it's like, condense it down and Dell was saying that we can condense it down and still get the same value. And I, was, I like that. And, wow. Um, and then the third year option, yeah. the option to do something in your third year and really take the science and the clinical work that you've learned how to do mm -hmm. and then kind of contribute that into some sort of master's program or community project. Yes, sir. Seemed helpful, the MD plus model, as they say, you yeah. graduate with MD plus. Yeah, so. definitely. That's amazing. And one of the things, so just turning a little bit around, one of the things that, uh, bothers me a lot uh i'm not gonna say pieces me off is the fact that this i mean studies on still suggest that only five percent of african-americans are doctors around around five percent mm -hmm. I, I don't even know the, the thing and the crazy thing is the person today is lower than mm -hmm. in 1975 or something mm -hmm. like that and after doing some research, there's no way in hell there's only 5% of uh, African-American in the U.S. has the potential of becoming doctors mm -hmm. or anything like that. We all know that there is more, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it is, there's, no, there's no proof that also say that it's because colleges are not accepting uh, people, uh, African-American. I think one of the biggest cause for that is the lack of exposure. Right. For sure. Many of us, we go during our childhood. We go to doc. We go to doctors' offices, mm -hmm. and uh, we see people that are that are not uh, black. Basically, I grew up in Guinea, right? Until until I was thirteen. From one to thirteen, I've seen people that were black, doctors that were black, mm -hmm. right? And my dad is a doctor. Yeah. Then I came to the U.S. with all the things. Of the culture here, right, and the change of mentality. When I walk into an office and I see a black doctor, I'm still surprised. Mm -hmm. So, with that experience, I have no doubt that other African Americans who come, who lived here all their life, mm -hmm. and who come a doctor, who come to see a doctor, like I, I have no doubt that they feel like surprised to see somebody mm -hmm. black. So, one of the biggest thing is that there's no exposure which is i feel like exposure is key to to imagination and imagination is key to success you cannot be successful at something unless you have the ability to imagine yourself doing it mm -hmm. right and on the other side you cannot imagine anything if you are not exposed to that world right mm -hmm. what's your thought about this like how do you feel like we can really put exposure to people and tell people because there are a lot of smart people. I believe the smartest people uh, in the U.S., the smartest kids are the kids with experiences who have to go through challenges, mm -hmm. right? And uh, those are usually minority students, right? But the, the lack of exposures would keep them away from these kind of fields, right, where they are so needed. Like, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, improving that in a way? Well, the first step is getting there. So. Mm -hmm. Getting residency, being becoming a doctor, and then 
just be, being present, so taking the time, um, getting involved in the community, figuring out, okay, what high schools have, students that look like me, and then going to them and just talking with them. And then garnering interest in those places and, and setting up pipeline programs. That's mm -hmm. my main passion project or something that I want to, like, okay, what stamp do you want to leave on medicine? It's, mm -hmm has nothing to do with the hospital. Mm -hmm. It's all how many students did I reach and even put the seed of medicine in their, mm -hmm. in their head to, oh, oh, I can do that. And that stuff seems pretty cool. Or, you know, not medicine's not for everyone, but I want the people that it is for mm -hmm. to hear it and, and know that they can do that. Definitely. That I'm not, like, I'm not different than you. I'm the same. You have what it takes, basically. A little bit of hard work, a little bit of knowing your end goal, and that's it. And then seeing someone, I, I never had a black doctor. My, that's a lie. My track coach, my track coach growing up, yeah. he was just Coach Travis, but I, he, then he, he's a cardiologist. I had no idea. He Whoa. never told us, but he was, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. But, uh, which is the reason of this podcast, right? When I started this podcast, the idea of, it wasn't about you have to be a doctor or something, but the idea of exposure, like my goal with this podcast is to bring people like you and professional people who have done excellent things in their life to just share their story in a platform where people have access to that. And through these stories, people can be exposed to different things and hopefully that's gonna motivate them to imagine real things. And really chase what they want. I had so many people, so many uh, younger people who came at me and said, uh, I did not do this because I didn't think I can. I did not do chemical engineering because I thought you had to be, you had to have all A in high school to get into chemical engineering. So I decided to do chemistry, right? And this is because people are not around them that tells them, right? At a simplistic level, you can imagine that many minority uh, many minority students usually do not have parents who are in these fields so because of that they do not know how things goes right mm -hmm. and uh, just that that that's lack of exposure because on the other side for many Caucasians they have parents who can tell them oh uh, if you want to go a lawyer you just need to do this by this year right or you need to take this exam by this year you need to have this skill right which really help them get into that mode right so Hopefully, as we keep going, we can definitely find different avenues to improve that. And because uh, that five percent is killing me, it's like what five percent? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But just to finalize here, I know as an orthopedic surgeon in the U.S., you're definitely gonna be one of the top uh, people out there. And I'm so excited to see you in that light. Mm -hmm. And I know the journey won't be easy because I mean you have still long way to go but you also ha have been empowered with all the skills and things that you need to figure it out right and sometimes in figuring out is maybe it's about uh running through the undergrounds busting through doors pushing through through closed doors and finding yourself on a seat that is that is not where your name doesn't exist Mm -hmm. That doesn't have your name basically, but you have to come and occupy that seat and, and have a space on that table. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges you are imagining and 
what are some of the what what are you counting on to just getting you to those tables well i, th I think about you, you talked to you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier and you can have i didn't have imposter syndrome in college med school definitely had imposter syndrome coming in because like oh everybody's in medical school but i think imposter syndrome in residency Technically, you're a doctor, you have an MD behind your name, and, but you, you were just a medical student two months ago. Mm -hmm. So it's it, having the, the responsibility of being a doctor, and then having the responsibility of being a surgeon, and having to do you know, the, the, the medical work, and also having to learn these skills, and you're junior. Mm -hmm. Everybody else knows more than you, and knows how to do stuff better than you. And so, um, feeling an imposter in that sense, but it's, you know, it's an uphill battle, it's a new skill set to learn, it's just a new challenge, it's, it's fun, mm -hmm. it's fun, it's like there's always, there's always something else, keep yourself occupied, so I, I'm excited, um, the main thing is, is matching, that's the big, mm -hmm. am I going to match, where is that, and the rest will come, but that's the main stressor at this, at this time. Wow, here's the last question. When you wake up every day, mm -hmm. what drives you to, to rise and go chase your dream? What's the biggest motivator? The biggest motivator. <sighs> I think about that a lot because I, if usually I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I need to wake up and do this so I can go be an orthopedic surgeon later and have a nice life and da da But I realize that that's not good because if you're always dreaming of, oh, I'll be happy when, mm -hmm. to be happy now. So I, I wake up and then I think, oh, I need to go do my dream because I want to be an orthopedic surgeon in a few years. And then I read some stoicism or something. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm happy now mm -hmm. and I want to do, have the best day possible. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's about the journey, yeah. not the goals. I yeah. mean, this is one, what we talked about in the last episode. Don't, it's okay to have goals, but let, don't, don't let the goals drive you. Because if you put, if you take a pose on happiness and tell yourself that you won't be happy until you reach this, then it's gonna be hard. But if you are always happy through the journey, then it's not a lot of challenges. Because even if it doesn't happen, you are happy. But you're still gonna push it happen because as long as you keep pushing toward the journey, you're gonna get there. You're gonna get there. And it changes the mentality instead of uh, having plan. You are building systems, and systems allow you to keep playing the game where a plan only allows you to win one game. Mm -hmm. right? So that's like you're developing skills that are transmittable over yes, anything. Yes sir. Well, man, we started at about 6 a.m. and the sun is out and I know you are busy, you have so many things to do. This was amazing and I hope, hope we're definitely gonna have another episode in the future. Uh, maybe when you hear residency or something. <laughs> But thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, or loved one.